Hey there, and welcome to the Oscars Death Face podcast, where it ain't over till the final credits roll. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. So, again, thanks for tuning in for episode two of this podcast. Um, you know, it, this is definitely just like a little pause that I wanted to go on for, again, for those of you who somehow stumble on this podcast, um, hi mom, uh, and you don't know what an Oscars death face is, um, it's where we watch every film nominated for the Oscars before the actual Oscars award ceremony. So um, thus far, you know, it's the middle of December, we don't know who the actual nominees are going to be until the middle of January. So we're going off of the list on goldderby.com for who the most likely nominees are for Best Picture and talking about those and some other categories as well. Um, this isn't just the Best Picture nominees we're going to be watching for this death race. We're going to try to watch everything, documentaries, animated films, best score, best original song, best production design, you know, actor, director, screenplay, all, all those categories. Um, so that's about 50 films or so. Um, so, you know, we'll see where the madness takes us. But um, if you were tuned in last week, you know, that we are going over the most likely best picture nominees um last week we did once upon a time in hollywood joker ford v ferrari and parasite um and then you know this week we're going to talk about um the marriage story um beautiful day in the neighborhood uh jojo rabbit and the farewell uh, all right but, but before we get into the four films for best picture we're going to talk about this episode um you know today was actually pretty important because the oscars also released a short list of the films for various categories so you know there's you know all 90 to 100 films from multiple categories are submitted you know the documentaries the international films and so on um, but uh, obviously not all of them end up making it to the nominee list. So they cut it down to, you know, in some cases, 10 to 15 films per category before they actually cut it down to the final five for each. So we're going to go ahead and, you know, walk through these real quickly. I'm not going to give a full review if I've happened to see the film. I haven't seen most of them. Um, but, you know, just so people know what they are, um, I'll also post a link. Um, Gold Derby has them up on their site as well. So you can take a look there. So for documentary feature, there are 15 films. Um First, we have The Advocate, which is an Israeli film about a lawyer who, who deals with Palestinian political prisoners. Um, next up is American Factory, which you can actually watch on Netflix, um, about a Chinese company who buys and takes over an American factory and kind of the cultural differences there. Um, next is, you know, this was the 50th anniversary of the Apollo space mission. So there's a film called The Apollo, um, which is actually found on HBO, um, if you have a subscription to that. So you can check that out there. Next is Apollo 11. Now, this is actually a really interesting film. I actually saw this in theaters on the largest uh, IMAX screen here in New York at Lincoln Square um, or Lincoln Center uh, AMC. Um, definitely worth They basically found reels of footage from the original Apollo mission that had never been seen before, scanned it into IMAX format and projected it. And it was, you know, very... Uh, Pretty awesome documentary to watch um, on the 50th anniversary. So um, it's actually already out on home release and digital release. Or if you have a chance, um, I know they have a cut version for Science Center. So if there's a Science Center near you that has a, a has an uh, IMAX screen, maybe they're not showing it there. That's definitely, I think, the best way to watch it. Um, next up, we have a film called Aquarella, which is already on digital release. It's about water and the power of, of nature and water. Um, Hulu has a film called The Biggest Little Farm, which is about a farm and this couple who, who makes a farming a new way. Um, next up is The Cave, which is a National Geographic documentary about a cave system in Romania. 
um, The Edge of Democracy is a Netflix documentary um, about Brazilian politics. Um, PBS has a film called For Sama, which is about a Syrian filmmaker and her life during uh, Aleppo um, and over that five-year period. So um, that one's actually on uh, PBS's YouTube channel, so you can go check that out. Um, the Great Hack uh, is a Netflix documentary, you know, just about the way data in, in our privacy is being used, um, you know, today by big tech companies. Uh, Honeyland is a Macedonian film about honey making traditions. Um, it's actually also in the in the international film category as well, so uh, they get the double dip there. Um, Knock down the house uh, is a documentary also on Netflix. Oh, Honeyland is also on on uh, on on digital release. Um, anyway, Knock down the house is a Netflix film about. Um, the most recent congressional race, uh, featuring you know four uh, races of female lawmakers, um, uh, including AOC uh, from here in New York. Um, next up is Maiden, which is a film about the first all-women crew of this around-the-world boat race. Um, Midnight Family is a film about a private ambulance, fa- uh, fa- a family who owns a private ambulance in Mexico City. And finally, One Child Nation is a film you can find on Amazon Prime about the one child policy uh, during uh, Mao Zedong's rule over China. Uh, next up, we have 10 documentary sports subject films. Um, I don't know where to find these online. I'm going to be watching these at the IFC Center, but um, for anyone who wants to look them up, they are After Maria, Fire in Paradise, Ghost of Sugarland, In the Absence, Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone if you're a girl, Life Overtakes Me, The Nightcrawlers, St. Louis Superman, Stay Close, Walk One Cha-Cha. Um, next up, we have actually the international film category with 10 films. Um, so we have from the Czech Republic, uh, The Painted Bird. From Estonia, uh, Truth and Justice. From France, a film called Les Miserables, not to be confused with the Victor Hugo uh, film, musical, Broadway play. It's a film about, I think, soccer. Um I can't find it online anywhere, but it was acquired by Amazon uh, for distribution rights, so hopefully they put it out on Amazon Prime before the end of the year. Um, from Hungary, we have Those Who Remained. Um, I already mentioned uh, Honeyland from Macedonia. Um, Poland has Corpus Christi. Russia has Beanpole. Senegal has a film called Atlantics, which you can actually find on Netflix, so you know maybe check that out. Um, we already talked last week about South Korea's Parasite, uh, who's probably the favorite twin in this category, if we're being honest. Um, it's, I think over the weekend won some more Film Critic Association Awards, so you know good things for Parasite. And Spain has Pain and Glory, um, which again, also isn't online anywhere, but you can probably pre-order on Amazon. I'd actually probably check out Spain uh, uh, Pain and Glory, because I believe Antonio Banderas um, is in the probably in the running for Best Actor, um, and he's in, in that for this film as well. So probably check that out. Um, makeup and hairstyling, you know, Bombshell, Dolomite is my name, Downton Abbey, Joker, Judy, Little Woman, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Rocket Man. I think of these, the only ones who you might not have been planning to watch, if you're planning to watch, maybe Downton Abbey, um, and definitely Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Um, we'll see if that makes it. Uh, I kind of don't want to watch it, so hopefully it doesn't get nominated, but we'll see. Um, music, original score. Um, there are 15 here. Uh, Avengers Endgame, Bombshell, The Farewell, Ford v. Ferrari, Frozen 2, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, The King, Little Woman, Marriage Story, uh, Marvelous Brooklyn, 1917, Pain and Glory, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and Us. Um, of these, uh, I don't really know what the king is actually, so that might be one you know 
we'll see if that if that 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 adds an additional film for people to watch. Um, Marvel was Brooklyn. I know it didn't do super well at the box office, um, and it hasn't done well with the critics that well much either. So we'll see if that gets through. Um, I already talked about Pain and Glory and. Us uh, has has started to be getting a little bit more, um, you know, some award buzz, I think. So um, keep an eye out on Us. Um, personally, I'm going to hope, uh, just because of everything John Williams has done, that Star Wars gets it. But, you know, we'll see there. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Music, original song. Oh, boy. Um, I'm actually not sure if I'm going to be uh, including the, the original song. I probably will. Um you know, maybe I might just listen to the song um, instead of the actual whole film. Well, it depends. We'll see. Um, Speechless from Aladdin. Um, saw that. Uh, Letter to My Godfather from The Black Godfather. Haven't seen that. Um, I'm Standing With You from Breakthrough. Haven't seen that. The Bronx from The Bronx USA. Haven't seen that. Into the Unknown. Probably going to get nominated from Frozen 2. Stand Up from Harriet. Um, Harriet, I haven't. I haven't really, I haven't seen. I know it's some theaters now. Um, waiting to see if it gets a, a, actually a nomination. I'm not super excited about seeing it. Cassie song from the Lego Movie Two. The second part. I actually missed watching the Lego Movie Two earlier this year. So uh, we'll see. Never too late from the Lion King. Spirit from the Lion King. Beyonce. Uh, Daily Battles from Motherless Brooklyn. Um, a glass of soju from Parasite. What? What song was this from Parasite? It wasn't the Jessica jingle. Um, I'm gonna love me again from Rocket Man. High Above the Water from Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am. I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4. <laughs> oh boy, that was that was a fun song. And Glasgow from Wild Rose. So actually, Wild Rose is an indie film by the Filipina um, undocumented immigrant who's a country singer. Um, wait, no. Actually, never mind. Scratch that. Wrong movie. That was Yellow Rose. Ignore that. Um, okay. Uh... I was excited for a second because I thought that would be a film that I that I would actually have been able to, to cross off of it and I'm getting nominated. Never mind. Um, animated short film, um, kind of like documentary short film. I'm not going to you know go through these except by name. Sarah, Daughter, Hair Love, He Can't Live Without Cosmos, Ors, Ors Piste, Kit Bull, Memorable, Mind My Mind, The Physics of Sorrow, Sister, and Uncle Thomas, Accounting for the Days. What are any of these Pixar films? I don't remember. I don't think so. Um... Okay, live action short film, Brotherhood, The Christmas Gift, Little Hands, Miller and Son, Nefta Football Club, The Neighbor's Window, Refugee, Surya, A Sister, and Sometimes I Think I'm Dying, About Dying. I haven't heard about any of these. And then finally, Visual Effects. Um, Alita Battle Angel, Alita Battle Angel, which I did see this year. Um, Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel. Cats, oh god, please don't let cats make I really don't want to have to watch cats, but you know, we'll see. Uh, Gemini Man, similar thing. I really want to have to watch Will Smith and his weird frame rates. Um, the Irishman, we're probably going to see this one. Lion King, 1917. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And Terminated Dark Fate. So um, I know I kind of went, ran through that kind of quickly, but these are all of the, uh, uh, the sort film for... Um, the Oscars for these for these specific categories. So, um, you know, we'll see which ones make it in. Hopefully, nothing you know that that's too crazy. We have to go out of our way to, to catch. But um, you know, like I said, I'm here in New York. I'm I'm lucky. I get to watch some of these on on uh, at the IFC Center. But um, hopefully, for those of you out there who aren't so lucky, um, you'll be able to find these online. I you know where I did. I tried to list out where you could actually watch some of these online if you want to get a head start. Um, and before we actually get to the films again, um, I'm also going to talk about, I did mention um, the Golden Globes last week um, released their nominees. I'm not going to go through every category just because the categories don't really match up. You know, they have, 
you know, best actor for a comedy, best actor for, you know, a drama and, and for the other acting categories. Um, they have and and they break out the international films from uh from the best picture, so Parasite can't compete for both. Um, that being said, um, the ones who have the most buzz, uh, so Marriage Story has six nominees, The Irishman five nominees, uh, nominations, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood five nominations, Joker has four nominations, and The Two Popes actually has four nominations as well. So, um, whether or not these translate to Oscars, I'm pretty sure at least the top. Three will definitely get, you know, those are probably the biggest uh, the biggest contenders this year for Oscars in terms of just the number of nominations they're going to get. Joker is also up there as well. The Two Popes is a kind of a dark horse, but, um, you know, I think he actually, they, they actually are kind of sneaking in in some categories. So I would definitely watch The Two Popes. I think they're going to be, I think it's on Netflix or it has already come out on Netflix. So, um, you know, makes, we'll, I would definitely include that in your watch list over the holidays to, to try to get ahead. All right, now let's hop to the individual films. So the first film we'll talk about today, I literally just finished right before recording this. You know, uh, definitely things got away from me when I was uh, traveling last week, so I didn't get to watch it on the plane, unfortunately. I had to do too much work on the plane. But that aside, uh, we're talking about Marriage Story. So Marriage Story is kind of in the running for seven categories, according to Gold Derby. Um, so we have Best Picture, um, Best Director for Noah Baumbach, uh, Best Actress for Scarlett Johansson, um, best Actor for Adam Driver, Best Supporting Actress for Laura Dern, uh, who is yes, actually in the lead uh, for most likely to win this category, Best Original Screenplay, I believe, also by Noah Baumbach, and Best Editing. Um, so that's seven nominations. Uh, I believe that's the second or third most. Um, definitely, I would consider Marriage Story to be, to be one of the, the big three um, this year, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, alongside Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and um, and The Irishman. So it premiered at the Venice Film Festival on August 29th this year. There was a limited theatrical theatrical release on November 6th. But significantly, this is actually a Netflix film, um, which if you've been following the Oscars, there's this whole kind of trend toward, you know, um, you know directors trying to say, oh, you know, Netflix films aren't really films, yada, yada, yada. I call that bullshit. Netflix films are films, um, despite what some people want to say. There's pushback from the industry, obviously, because Netflix represents a huge threat to them on streaming. Um, the Irishman is just another another example of this. But, um, you know, uh, the Marriage Story was released uh, December 6th uh, on Netflix. So, like I just did just now, you could go ahead and, uh, and watch it yourself at home. So, you know, I'm still definitely processing the film after having just watched it. Um, so, I won't really get into it too i will say what i liked about it so i definitely think scarlett johansson and adam driver are locks to be nominated for their respective categories of actors and actress like there's this i mean obviously kind of the premise is that it's about a a couple who are going through a divorce basically right and so there's this one scene as you can imagine there will probably be a scene in here in a divorce movie about where they just get into it so they just yell and 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 scream and lay out what frustrates them about each other, right? So that's not really a surprise. But the and even if you see it coming, just the way that they act is so it's so believable and so authentic, and they just really throw themselves in that emotion. You know, I think part of this is, is and and this is why I think it's also nominated for original screenplay, most likely. Um, you know. Obviously, if you if you heard the story, you know Noah Baumbach kind of this is based on his own divorce. So I, I'd imagine he wrote a lot of this from his own personal experience, and it shows. It's very, 
authentic. It, feel, it feels very human. It's not you know one-liners or snappy dialogue that you know you, you wish you could think about and 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 have a snappy comeback to when somebody calls you out on something. And you reply with a witty one-liner that's been works off to death. Joss Whedon style. Not, not that there's anything wrong with enjoying that kind of dialogue in in kinds of movies, but for this kind of film, like just the fact that it felt very human and very authentic and it didn't feel like either actor was trying to be a bad person or trying to be a jerk um, or like a mustache twirling mustache twirling villain both of them had their faults both of them had their positive elements to them and i think um that sort of made it so that this the antagonist antagonist of this film really wasn't either one of them per se um they both made mistakes for sure um but the 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 Antagonist, if anyone, was really the system and then like, and kind of what it forced them into, basically, I think. Um, and that frustration with the system in general. Um, I think another part with the original screenplay and, and, and Bombax, you know, both his direction and, and his writing is that there's a lot of payoff. Um, you know, there are some things that are kind of set up, you know, set up earlier in the film that kind of hits you at toward the end with a with a huge emotional punch um later on um you know something to watch out for you know the knife the the pictures on the wall um you know their their son charlie or their son's um uh, uh, henry's ability to read or, or his his trouble with that um you know all of these different things when you look back at the film it's like oh yeah that was kind of set up and, and foreshadowed so i think that goes really well i'll say that the opening sequence um is um Felt very up esque, I think. Where um, you know, it's in the first, literally in the first minutes where they talk about. Well, okay, I won't spoil it, but it's it's kind of very up esque in 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 the dialogue that they have and the way they portray what's being voiced over. Um, you know, I think overall, this is, if if this is something to take away if you're going to watch this for the first time, pay attention to the way that they communicate with each other and how, if it's indirect or direct. And I think that's kind of one of the overarching themes of this film, um, just the way people communicate in general. Um, so yeah, I think another just one other note. You know, this is in the major category, um, but I did mention just um, that *Marriage Story* was uh, uh, one nominated or is in the shortlist for original score. And just a shout out to Randy Newman who did the *Toy Story* movies for scoring this film as well. Um, you know, I probably it'd be probably be, I didn't pay attention to it initially to be honest, but um, looking at you know the credits and so on and thinking. Yeah, you know, there actually was were some elements in there that that kind of the score just added to the film. So I don't know if it's going to win best score, um, but it definitely you know shout out to Randy Newman for his work on this film. All right, next up, another Scarlett Johansson film. Actually, uh, we have Jojo Rabbit. Um, so Jojo Rabbit, uh, the directed by Taika Waititi, is a satire film about Nazis um, and so on. Um, Taika Waititi plays the titular t- plays Hitler himself, um, or you know, a, imagine a boy's imaginary best friend version of Hitler, um, which probably you know satirical black comedy. You have the New Zealander playing you know Hitler basically, so that's a kind of a joke in and of itself. Um, but that said, you know, it's nominated for Best Picture. Um, it also nominated for Best Supporting Actress in Scarlett Johansson, uh, Best uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. This is based off of Caging Skies by Christine Lunin, um, and also Best Production Design. 
Um, it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival on September 8th and won a top prize there, um, the People's Choice Award. So that's kind of, you know, catapulted it into people's eyes of, yeah, this is probably, you know, in contention for the Oscar. Um, it was released uh, on, in the U.S. on October 18th and I actually saw this uh, on Halloween, actually. Um, I, I just went to the theater and, and, just, and just chilled and, and watched uh, Taika Waititi's uh, film here. So what should I say about Jojo Rabbit? You know, I think, you know, let, I mean, let's start with the nominees. I think... Um, Scarlett Johansson, you know, that's kind of why I put put this and Marriage Story in the same episode together, is that this has been quite a year for her. I think she, she definitely was a highlight of this film. Um, I think, you know, I really wish that the young actors, um, what were, what were their names again? Um, hold on, let me, let me look it up and pause real quick. Okay, yeah, so I'm back. So, um, you know, so Roman Griffin Davis, uh, who plays the titular Jojo, um, Thomasin McKenzie, who plays a Jewish girl who he meets, um, and uh, Archie Yates, uh, who plays Jojo's best friend. I think they all as young characters, you know, I think overall the ensemble on this, you know, it's a relatively small cast, but you got some interesting characters in there. I mean, you have Sam Rockwell, you have Alfie Al- Allen, you have uh, Stephen Merchant, you have Rebel Wilson. Um Honestly, this is a pretty stacked cast if you think about it. Um, almost up there with Knives Out, uh, which I talked about last week, um, in terms of this, you know, what the cast does. I think um, definitely the young actors definitely stood out here. But you know, of the nominated ones, Scarlett Johansson's role, I think it's not obvious what's going on when you. It, I think one thing I really liked about this film, and and you know, Taika Waititi was the was the one who adapted the screen. He wrote the screenplay, adapting the original work. He does a lot to treat the audience intelligently. I really appreciated that. You know, there are scenes where a revelation is made, where you know, um, kind of like *Marriage Story*. I don't want to compare it too much, but you know, it where there is stuff set up early on, especially with Scarlett Johansson's character, and then this was an emotional payoff um, partway through the film, and. Any other director would have, you know, gone through all the flashbacks and shown you what this, you know, the payoff was and and whatever. But this film treats you intelligently. It lets you figure out, oh, that's what that means, basically. Uh, I think it really builds it. It it does an amazing, you know, there are several scenes that are kind of funny, but at the same time, very scary as well. And the tension is is built up there. That's that's a testament to Waititi's directing and as well as his writing and the actors in general. Um, You know, overall, I think... It was an it was an enjoyable film. I think I think um, a little bit slower than than some others. I don't think you know it's it's going to win necessarily best picture or frankly any of these categories. I think, um, but I definitely am, I'm glad that it got a pre, it get it got nominated. It's probably going to get nominated for these as well. Um, I really enjoyed the the last quote in the film. I don't want to spoil it, but it kind of like goes through the themes. But yeah, overall, I think it was. I think definitely enjoyed watching the film for what it was it was a nice time way to spend a couple of hours um yeah i'm frankly sorry i'm not that much of a film critic here i yeah unfortunately for jojo rabbit i think it's just a film that's overshadowed by just so many other great things out there um but when it does give you those cathartic those cathartic moments and those payoff moments to what's been building up the entire film you appreciate it. I think you really enjoy those. Plus, you know, the comedy of the weird Kiwi comedy of, of Taika Waititi, you know, it's not for everyone. Humor is subjective and maybe maybe it wasn't as much the, the, my kind of humor, even though I was able to get a couple chuckles out of it, but nothing with boring laughing. So that's Jojo Rabbit. Next up, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. So when I initially came up with my list of the 12 most likely nominees for Best Picture, 
frankly, a beautiful day in the neighborhood was number 12. Um, since then, it's actually kind of dropped down to 13th. I believe uh, the two popes has actually been rising in the expectations. Um, that said, I haven't seen the two popes yet, so I, I don't I don't have a fourth film to fill it out. So that's why I'm go, going to go ahead and cover Beautiful in the Neighborhood. That said, it is also you know in the running for Best Supporting Act. Best Supporting Actor, Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers, uh, and Best Adapted Screenplay for the uh, the Esquire article, Can You Say Hero by Tom Junod, which is kind of the inspiration for this film. So, you know, is this going to be nominated for Best Picture? Kind of a long shot at this point, but I didn't have anything else, so here we are. Um, that said, uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood it premiered September 7th at the Toronto International Film Festival, um, and it had its US release November 22nd, so... You know the Thanksgiving film to bring the entire family to to watch Mr. An, an episode of Mr. Rogers. Um, actually watched this uh, on. I, wa- I watched this November twenty first, which is you know the that Thursday it came out before Thanksgiving. Um, you know I was pretty excited to watch this. I actually watched I had watched last year's documentary "Won't You Be My Neighbor," which is you know less fictional, not quite fictionalized, but less. Uh, uh, a story and definitely more of a talking head documentary last year, which I don't believe actually got nominated last year. Correct me, I someone's yelling at me if I'm wrong about this, but um, I don't believe Won't You Be My Neighbor got nominated, which I was really sad about because I really enjoyed that documentary last year. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, you can probably tell I grew up watching Mr. Rogers, you know, as most, as many, sorry, as many, as don't assume it, as many American children did. Um, or even, I, I watched it when I was growing up abroad. So, you know, Mr. Rogers... Definitely means a lot to a lot of people, and you know Tom Hanks, kind of the most wholesome actor of that of that age period, uh, or of of this age, um, portraying him. You know, it's like America's Dad playing America's Dad, right? Um, so, you know, I think you know the film overall is structured. You know, I mean, you know, it, it's basically based around this article that Tom Junod wrote in Esquire magazine, profiling Mister Rogers about you know what does it mean to be a hero, right? And it kind of gets into a lot of the philosophies of Mr. Rogers and the way he approaches people and makes you think about the way you you live your life. Um, and, you know, like I said, since I had seen the Won't You Be My Neighbor documentary last year, it a lot of this felt very familiar to me. Um, but it was nice to revisit. I think they definitely framed the entire episode, the entire movie as an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, you know, obviously starring Tom Hanks. But... You know, for adults, basically, that's frankly how it is, and they go the whole way. They don't, they, you know, there are these segments in the original Mister Rogers film where they have people traveling and they have the the set on stage of the city. They do that of you know when Tom moves between New York and um and uh, and and Pittsburgh, where Mister Rogers is is originally from. Um, I believe that you know there's a whole plot element about him and his father and his issues with the father. I don't believe. Those are necessarily true to life. I remember reading a, a, or listening to a podcast episode or reading an article by the original author saying, this story isn't my story because they adapted it. But I think the adaptation works. I mean, obviously, you do need some sort of conflict in the film and Mr. Rogers to come in and and, and help resolve it. And I think um, it works. It works. It you know Obviously, this is a one very specific fictionalized story that not everyone can strictly relate to. But that's kind of the point of Mr. Rogers, where he can take... A very specific instance and and expand it out so that we all can find something to relate to there. And I think it worked well. Um, you know, I think personally, you know, 
just Tom Hanks is so Tom Hanks that and it just hard it was hard for me to kind of fully lose myself in seeing Miss Mr. Rogers, but I can also see the way in which he did embody Mr. Rogers, um, and kind of all the little quirks in the way there's this one portion of the film, um, and they did this in the documentary also where they just like stop and think for a minute about everyone who's loved you up to this point and, and what they've meant to you. And that was a very emotional and I think he pulled it off, you know, really well. So uh, hats off to Tom Hanks. Um, I, you know, I don't think that this is going to win, win any awards, but hopefully I, th- I definitely hope Tom Hanks at the very least gets his, his nomination for, for best supporting actor. Finally, we have the farewell. So the farewell is up for four, uh, for four nom- uh, categories, um, according to Gold Derby. Um, it's up for best picture. Um, this is one of the you know kind of on the cusp ones. Um, best actress uh, for Aquafina, uh, best supporting actress for Zhao Suzhen, um, and best original screenplay by Lulu Wang. Um, this was screened way back in January, January twenty fifth at the Sundance Film Festival this year, um, and was picked up by A twenty four and given a wide release on July twelfth. Um, as is the case for some of these films, I actually saw this uh, July 11th, uh, the opening day at the Angelica Film Center here in New York. Um, so I talked last week. There's this you know group called Gold House that does the gold opens where they'll buy out theaters to support Asian and Asian American actors and filmmakers and films. Um, they did this for Parasite. Um, they did it last year for the year before for uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Um, and actually, I was involved in in you know my student uh, Asian alumni organization helped participate um, and we got to go see um, you know this was we were part of that gold open movement so I, I watched this film on opening weekend um, at the Angelica Film Center um, and it did really well actually so it actually had a per theater average of $88,000 uh, which beat Avengers Endgame this year actually for per theater average it only had se- Avengers Endgame only had 76000 Now, since then, other films have come out this year that have beat it, Parasite notably being the highest uh, per the average for this year. I believe Uncut Gems uh, was also in there, and the Silent Bob re- reboot movie, I think, also got beat it. But that being said, um, that was actually also the weekend where there was a huge blackout in New York, um, and the Lincoln Film Center, which was one of the three films, uh, three theaters in the city that was showing the farewell that weekend, actually lost power for half the weekend, actually. So it could have scored even higher. Um, it's just that, you know, they couldn't, they, they literally couldn't because the power was off. I believe hearing, a, watching a, an interview of Aquafina saying she had been on the way to the theater to do a Q&A when they said, oh, no, you shouldn't come. We have no power. So, um, yeah, the farewell. And I think, you know, it's been getting, it, 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 I, it, it, so the farewell is based on the director and, and screenwriter Lulu Wang's experience. Um, you know the 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 it, and this is based on also on an episode of the podcast This American Life. Um, so podcast power side of them, um, they don't need to shout up. This American Life is 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 doing great anyway. Um, about you know an, uh, her experience of going back to China and realize and there's this kind of tradition almost of not telling the elders in your family when they, when they're you know chronically ill or terminally ill so that you know they can come in and experience and you know as an Asian American I think and I I'll, frankly I'm a little bit biased you know I was super into crazy rich Asians and what that meant for Asian American representation on the film obviously um, this kind of is in that similar trend where there's a lot of conversation about the difference between 
you know, being an Asian American and what that means to be Asian here in the States and, um, and comparing to being Asian Asian, you know, growing up in Asia and having Asian values um, or what or presumably Asian values, you know, the idea between collectivism versus individuality and, you know, Aquafina's character, um, you know, it's like, this is wrong, we shouldn't hide this from her and then her family who lives in China is like, no, this is just the way things are done, you know. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, so, I mean, going down the line, you know, Aquafina is, uh, you know, she definitely has had a stereotype, you know, throughout her career of being kind of like a loud, crass, um, you know, loud, loud, loud Asian woman. She was in a Crazy with Asians, the crazy best friend or whatever, not crazy, but crazy best friend um, who makes like weird jokes or whatever. She has like these rap covers with like some not safe for work, like, you know, uh, rap songs and, this is like her first real dramatic role. I think she really pulled it off. You know, apparently she wasn't fluent uh, in Mandarin at the time uh, filming, so she definitely got someone to help tutor her. And, and you know, it, it kind of works as, you know, the Asian American who kind of speaks Chinese but isn't that much. Um, no, I definitely appreciated her her portrayal here. Supporting actress Sao Suzen is actually the nai-nai or, or grandmother in question um, for the film. So um, the way that... Um, Sports, I believe it's a it's an actress uh, from China. So you know, I think it's really awesome to see somebody from abroad get nominated um, for for this category. Um, but it just really so because like she was she stole every scene she was in um, as someone who has Asian grandmothers. Um, yeah, that that I mean, it's true to life. And you know, one thing I think going back, I think while this is definitely an Asian and Asian American story, I appreciate the way they did it in a way where even if you didn't grow up with that Asian and Asian American experience, you could, I think, from what I've heard from other people, really relate to the emotions behind it. And I think I think for Asian and Asian American films, that's where we want to go, right? It's a film that, as an Asian American, I can definitely get a lot out of it because it is my personal experience. At the same time, it's not something where, an uh, insular, where you have to have had that experience to really appreciate it, right? Um and, you know, I also saw another article, you know, for Lulu Wang, to her credit for writing the screenplay. I mean, again, this is based on her real life experience. So, you know, putting herself into that script, you know, definitely shows. But, you know, she wrote the script twice, if you think about it. She wrote it in English, and then she also wrote it in Chinese. And there's a, there's a great video by Variety that talks about her film writing process, I believe. I think it's Variety, um, where she wrote it, I think, twice, maybe even three times, where what she wanted to say in English, then she had somebody write it out in the script format, basically, but then translating it to, to, to Chinese. And, and she worked with, you know, it was definitely a collaborative process um, to really authentically get across that bilingual, multilingual, you know, experience. It's actually for... Um, for the Golden Globes, it's actually under the best foreign film, foreign language film category, because because so much of this film is spoken in Chinese with subtitles. Um, you know, obviously, I I went with some friends who like you know I think they said that the subtitles were more or less correct. There may have been like a couple things that could have been translated a little bit better, but um, yeah, I think this you know this is a film. If you go and watch it, and you haven't watched it yet, and you're trying to figure out something to take away from it. Pay attention to the interactions between uh, Aquafina's character and the grandmother on the phone. Talk about, you know, and just all the I think the inner character dynamics and the way that they interact with each other and what they what they show, what they don't show. Just the theme of lying and deceit throughout, but for supposedly a good reason. Um, you know, that's just the theme throughout. I think that's that's something to to pay attention to. So, 
farewell. Um, will I would anything? I don't think so, but I'm really glad that it's in the conversation. I hope it gets at least a couple more of these nominations beyond just Best Actress for Aquafina, who I think probably is a, is, a, is a lock to be nominated, if not win. I'm probably not going to win, but you know, you know what I mean. All right. And as always, before we head to the final credits and wrap up the episode, uh, let's talk about a film where if you're if you want to break from the Oscar death race, um, you can you can what else have I been watching? Um, only one film actually that that's probably not going to get any Oscar con- uh, nominees. But uh, I watched Jumanji: The Next Level uh, this this past weekend. Um, so this is the sequel to Jumanji, um, the the reboot where it's based on the video game instead of an actual board game featuring Kevin Hart, Jack Black, uh, Kate Gillen, and and The Rock. Um, you know, among the other characters. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it, it was definitely in the same line as the first ones. I think they definitely, you know, play with the formula a little bit. I mean, you know, I mean, all right, it's, it's Jumanji. What spoilers can there really be? So, you know, basically they're, they're additional characters. So actually, funny enough, we just finished talking about Aquafina's films. He actually is in this film as well, um, playing playing one of the Avatar characters as well. And on top of that, we have um, Danny DeVito and... Um, Danny Glover playing the grand, some some older gentleman, one of them being the grandfather of the main character from the original movie, um, and they get sucked into the world as well. So you know, The Rock playing Danny DeVito, Kevin Hart playing uh, Danny Glover, um, pretty interesting. Um, actually, so sm- slight spoiler, but whatever. Um, you've been warned. You can skip to the end if if, if you want. But um, Aquafina actually at some point takes uh, Danny DeVito's character inhabits Aquafina's body who. That was just a match that actually works really, really well. Um, maybe just because they're both from New York and have that accent and, and and attitude about them. So that was super. That was pretty amusing. Um, you know, I think definitely this is a film where you don't necessarily need to have. Well, take that back. You probably should have seen the first one before watching this one. They're just. A lot of the character building of who the individual characters are, especially the main four, um, the main four young people in the film, and and uh, you know their dynamic and what what deal what they've been dealing with kind of carries on from the first film, right? Um, I definitely appreciate actually, you know, Kevin Hart actually surprisingly did really well. So Kevin Hart has unfortunately kind of you know in most of his roles been typecasting like the loud you know the loud comedian who like yells a lot. Basically, he got to play Danny Glover. Um, you know, Danny Glover inhabiting his body. So he played like the older gentleman with this voice like this who talks really slowly and kind of wanders on the way he talks. Um, and that was like a fresh face to face. I really wish that more people would give Kevin Hart, you know, different roles beyond kind of what he's typecast as. So, you know, if anything, I guess go watch go watch it for that. Um it's by no means a super deep movie, you know. It's it's definitely a, the definition of a popcorn flick. I mean, last the reason there was a sequel is for some reason it did super well against Star Wars, um, The Last Jedi. Was it The Last Jedi? I forget which movie, which Star Wars. Movie. It did super well against the last uh, a Star Wars movie and had legs for days in terms of box office. So um, the 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 word of mouth and the box office on this one, I mean, I think it was estimated 35 million dollars uh at the start of the weekend it ended up with 60 million dollars by the end of the weekend so i think this one has pretty good word of mouth it's just going to continue on we'll see if um you know this new star wars movie is you know is cannot will will hit it as much i don't think it will just based on the past experience though 
though frankly last time it also didn't have competition against uh, I believe Frozen is still in there so we'll see if, if Frozen it takes some of the win out of its sales but that's Jumanji uh, the next level so yeah, um, also some other up, uh, housekeeping notes. I believe uh, we're on iTunes now, so if you want to go ahead and give us a subscription there or even leave a, a review, you know, I, I, you know, most of my other podcasts I haven't asked for reviews, but, you know, why not? Go ahead and give us a review if you like what you listen to, um, if it's five stars especially. Um, I believe we're also on the Google Play Store. Um, other than that, check us check out the Oscars Death Race subreddit. That's Oscars with an S. I believe I had it incorrect in the sonos before. I'll make sure it's correct this time. Oscars Death Race. I'll post a... A, a thread about with this episode so in there leave a comment you know what do you think of the four films we discussed today what do you think about you know ones on the sort list um how's your oscar death race going what crazy things have you done so far to try to catch a film um yeah for you know latest up to date you know hashtag not sponsored but goldderby.com has a lot of information about what films are are in the running for an oscar most likely to be nominated what you used to be watching not watching um, anyway, next week we'll be taking a break from the best picture nominees, frankly, because I haven't had time to watch all of them and I have a crazy day at work. So I have seen all of the best animated, the top five most likely best animated features. Um, and we'll be talking about those. I believe that's uh, Frozen 2, Toy Story 4, How to Train Your Dragon 3, A Missing Link, and Abominable. Um, I believe it's Weathering with You would get in there. So we'll knock on wood. We'll see if that gets there. But um, there's also another random film from Netflix that actually surprisingly had a surge this weekend on Gold Derby called I Lost My Body. So it's a French animated film. Maybe it might go somewhere. We'll see. Um, other than that... Um, other housekeeping, the intro and outro music uh, is by Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Um, and I'll shut up now because that's the end of the Oscars Death Race podcast uh, where we watch movies uh, for little gold men statues. Um, and remember, it's not over till the final credits roll. Catch you next week. Bye. Bye.